What's going on, guys? In today's podcast, I'm going to rank with tears my wide receivers, my top 10 wide receivers entering the 2021 NFL draft. And um, so, yeah, with this one, I've got one, two, three, I got five tiers, or maybe it's six. It's six, actually. Sorry. Six tiers with this one. And the tiers are done weird. Basically, let me, let me define my, I guess, perception or definition of tiers. I basically, if there are, let's say, two guys that I view as the top players in the, in the draft, as I do this year, and then I think there's clear separation between them and the third best player, I will use tier one for those first two guys and then tier two for the second guy, even if that means that the second guy is, I mean, I'm sorry, the third guy is considerably better than whoever's after him, and that guy's only in one tier. That's what I actually did for the top three players in this uh, wide receiver group. And um, yeah, so that's just just so you know, the way that it, it kind of works with me in that regard, which I'm not sure if it's the same with everybody else, but it's just if there's a clear separation there, I'm going to make a different tier. So I don't never I don't ever know like exactly how many tiers there will be until my rankings are done, which they are now. And uh, just so you know, these, I believe, are my top 10 final top 10 receiver rankings. Um, so unless I watch someone else, right, that I'm not even like totally not expecting to crack this top 10 and they just blow me away. In which case, I will unfortunately have to redo these rankings. But I don't think so because I've watched a good amount of receivers. I think we're good. So, um, yeah, let's get into it. So, 10th receiver, I guess, uh, yeah, we'll start at the bottom. Number 10 for me, and receivers 9 and 10 are in the same tier for me, which I think would be tier 6. And these two guys are Elijah Moore, wide receiver from Ole Miss, who's number 10 for me, and Tutu Atwell. So, look. Two very different players. You know, you've got Elijah Moore, but but in my mind, they're valued very, very evenly in terms of like where I would draft those guys. I'd love to get them at the early third, but I understand I'd likely have to take them in the late two. So like if I'm picking 15th overall in the third round and I want one of these two guys, I'm probably going to have to trade up, you know, and that's okay. I understand that. But um, anyways, that's where I value them late two, early three. And um, I like, look, Elijah Moore's got some skill set as a running back, which I've, I've never heard anyone talk about. Um, as you guys know, I don't necessarily follow a bunch of draft content anyways. I think it makes my evaluations better, and that's the reason why I do that. But when I saw, I think it was the Auburn game, I believe, where he was he got like six carries, 47 yards in that game alone, I, I think that that alone boosts his value and makes it make sense to take him in the second round where I might otherwise just have a third-round grade on him or an early third round grade. Um, I think that what he can offer from the standpoint of like, you don't have to carry an additional running back because he can slide into that role similar to what we saw Curtis Samuel do last year for the Panthers when they, when they were down Christian McCaffrey and, uh, and things like that. So anyways, I, I like Lodge more. Otherwise he's a good slot receiver. And I think that he's a, you know, I, I wouldn't look, I, I know, and this oftentimes happens with receivers and running backs and things like that. We try to find like, I saw someone compare Odell Beckham Jr. or Elijah Moore to Odell Beckham Jr. the other day. That's bonkers to me. That's crazy. Odell, in my opinion, is at least the first or second most talented wide receiver in football, maybe third at worst, right? And I think 
you know, we need to be very careful about how we say, you know, it was some of these guys that are being compared to him coming out of school. But I do like Elijah Moore a lot. I think he can be a 50 to 60 catch guy as a third option, as a slot guy at the next level. And I think that there's no reason why in four years from now, we're not going to be looking at him sign a deal similar in value percentage of the cap wise to what Curtis Samuel just signed in the NFL. I don't think he's necessarily a similar skill set to Curtis Samuel. I think he is, but I think Curtis is faster and more elusive, whereas Elijah Moore is more of a stout, compact frame, but has some quickness to create some yards and, and elusiveness after the catch as well. So I like Elijah Moore. I think he's a solid slot receiver with running back depth value as a bonus. And for Tutu Atwell, I think he's just a big play waiting to happen. I think, you know, if, if he has a career similar in, in ways to Deshaun Jackson's, we'd be, look, we'd be looking at his career as a success. Now, I have seen, I think it's Daniel Jeremiah has him like top 30 or top 35. I don't know how you would watch his tape and think that he's that, like, I don't know where you, you know, get your confidence to have that high of a, of a grade on this young man when there are players in particular eight wide receivers I have ahead of him that are also in different tiers for me. So, um, yeah, I mean, I like Tutu Atwell. I think that he's never going to be a super high-volume guy, which is why I can't have him as a first-rounder, you know, but I think that he's certainly going to be a field-stretching option and a guy capable of big plays. The one thing I kept writing down when I watched him play was just moves different. You know, he, ju he just does. So for that skill set alone, it's worth taking a chance on in round two, in my opinion. All right, let's move on to tier five, and this is going to be two receivers, receivers number seven and eight in my rankings. Number eight is Terrace Marshall, wide receiver from LSU. So some might say I learned my lesson from the Justin Jefferson thing last year, and I looked at Terrace Marshall with more of an open mind. But the reality is that, in my opinion, you guys know one of my infamous misses at this point in my career now is has been Justin Jefferson last year. I had, a, I think, a late two early threes so I was relatively equal to him in where I saw him and Terrace Marshall as prospects when in reality obviously I was way off Justin Jefferson was every bit of a first round talent and I should have I should have saw that but for whatever reason I didn't but what I do see and you know I, this is flawed evaluation process by comparison that I have Terrace Marshall this season as a better prospect than where I had Justin Jefferson last year. So that just shows you at least I, I do have Terrace Marshall high, and I'm acknowledging that that's a bad comparison because Justin Jefferson obviously should have been a first-round talent. But in any case, I can't go back and change it now. All I can do is acknowledge the mistake. But for this kid, he's very similar in some ways to Justin Jefferson. I think he has better ball skills. I've, I've seen him make a few catches where it's just like, whoa. You know, and I and I even after watching Justin Jefferson as a rookie in the NFL and have one of the greatest rookie seasons for a receiver we've seen in some time, I still would say Terrace Marshall has better ball skills. That's the only thing he's better at, but he does have better ball skills in from that standpoint. He can just he's just a little longer built and kind of can go up and get it and make some plays on the football at a higher level. And he may be faster in terms of just deep speed, long speed. But other than that, Jefferson is obviously a, a far superior player at this point in their careers. But I think that they were similar in, in terms of like the role they played in that offense and, and um, or what Jefferson played in 2019 compared to what Terrace Marshall played in 2020. But yeah, I like him a lot. I think he's a big slot with the, with the ability to play some on the outside as well. Um, I'm not 
convinced he's ever going to be a number one receiver, but I do think he's going to be a solid second or third option on an NFL team, and I think that'll happen relatively quickly into his pro career. Number seven for me in in the same tier as Terrace Marshall is a receiver from Oklahoma State named Tylon Wallace. So Wallace, when I first watched him, was around senior bowl time. I went back and watched him again the other day. Um, Look, he's he's a talented player. You know, I think that – I was even going back to my senior bowl notes or before I watched him before the senior bowl, I said that he had a chance to get into first round conversation. So that's where I kind of saw his upside at. Now, I don't think that he's going to be that first round guy, but I do think he's a solid second round player. And I see Terrace Marshall as a late second rounder. If I could get him in the early third run, I'd feel phenomenal about myself but in reality you're gonna have to take that guy in the second round in my opinion so both of those guys solid second round players for me number six in a tier all by himself in tier four is north carolina receiver Daomi brown so i got an early to mid second round grade on him and this guy's a speedster but he also has more size than you might imagine right he's he's six foot one um, I think 185, 190 pounds. He's a he's a playmaker. You know, he, everything was deep down the field. I really enjoyed watching his tape against Asante Samuel Jr., which I think that's the Virginia Tech game or the Florida State game. I can't remember where Asante Samuel went to school, but I lo- Asante Samuel, in my opinion, is a first round player. Okay, a first round cornerback. And Diami Brown and him went at it. Brown, I believe, caught a touchdown against him. I would say overall, Samuel got the better of him in that matchup, but I still think. Diamond Brown showed well. And man, when you watch this tape, like I I think I mentioned this when I first talked about him with you guys on this podcast, I watched him, I was watching AJ Terrell last year and I watched Diamond Brown roast him. I believe it was on a, it was either on a double move or just a go route, Um, caught a touchdown pass on him, beat him badly. And that was where, where he was first on my radar, right? Was, was when he did that to AJ Terrell last year in this pre-draft process when I was watching Terrell play. But um, look, he's a dynamic player. I think that we need to talk. I think we need to be talking more about him in the in terms of like the top six receivers. I have met six. Um, I I really, really, really like the top five guys. Otherwise, he'd probably be in that top five. I think he's going to be a really good professional football player, and I think he's going to have an early impact on whatever team he's on. And it most likely, I, I'm not sure if he has any return. Uh, return experience, but I do think he could be a solid return man at the next level as well. All right, number five, and this is going to be tier three. Number four and number five players are in tier three by themselves, and that is going to be five, Rashad Bateman, and then four, Kadarius Tony. Both guys are worthy of first-round picks, in my opinion. I think um, I have a mid to late first-round grade on Kadarius Tony. I have a late one slash early two on Rashad Bateman, but I think that they're close enough in talent for me in in terms of value to be in the same tier. So that should tell you something about kind of how closely I have them graded. Just because a guy, let's say I had, hypothetically, if I had Kadarius Tony as my 20th overall player and I had Rashad Bateman as my 30th, that's to me close enough to be you know, in the same tier. So, um, yeah, but like Kadarius Tony is, is sort of like that DJ Moore, Debo Samuel, you know, kind of like yak monster, um, Brandon Ayuk from last year, very similar skill set to, to Kadarius Tony. I love him. I, he's one of my guys, you know, just, I really had a good time watching his film. I think he's going to be an instant impact player. And yeah, I understand people are going to say the same things about him that they said about Debo Samuel and 
Brandon Ayuk the last two years, like, you know, oh, he doesn't have, you know, not doesn't run necessarily the most diverse route tree or, you know, this, that, and the other. I'm telling you right now, in the NFL, what we've seen over the last three, four, five years especially is the NFL knows what to do with guys like this, right? They, they just do, you know, and and just like I, just like we saw it now, both in San Francisco with Ayuk and Debo Samuel, um, there's an instant role for him to play at the next level in terms of Kadarius Tony, and I think he will do that immediately, and there will be no uh, growing pains, so to speak. Now, will there be growing pains in terms of um, asking him to kind of uh, add to his skill set? Of course, but as far as a 50-catch-for-800-yard rookie season, I think you can line it up. As long as he gets in a decent offense, I think that's going to happen. And then for Rashad Bateman, my number five receiver, I think that um, – you know, he's a legitimate X receiver option. I think that he is plenty quick enough and he and he's a good enough route runner and has enough explosion to him as an athlete to be a true X receiver at the next level. I just I don't think he'll ever be, you know, a dominant player necessarily, but I think he'll be a solid one like if his peak of his career is what we saw from DJ Moore last year, I think you're getting value in the first round, late first round, to be honest with you. And I think that that's, you know, he's he's a number one receiver. He's an old school. Uh, I think his ceiling is Des Bryant back when Des Bryant was leading the NFL in touchdowns for a couple of years in a row there. Um, and I just think he's kind of similar to Des Bryant in some ways from a skill set standpoint as well. But I like Rashad Bateman's game a lot, wide receiver from Minnesota. And I think that what's, what's screwing with a lot of people in their evaluations of Bateman is the fact that everybody associated last year's Minnesota receiver Tyler Johnson as a guy that wasn't athletic or wasn't explosive. He didn't get an invite to the senior bowl. He didn't uh, run at the combine, all that stuff. And they kind of had him pegged as like, oh, he's not explosive. And Bateman, because he was kind of his partner in crime and also his Robin to his Batman, so to speak, last year, because Tyler Johnson was older and was the more productive by at least by catches receiver on that team, I believe. Um, it kind of has sculpted in my opinion the perception of Bateman to many analysts and the reason why people are lower on him than they probably should be that's just my theory but for me I like Bateman a lot if you're a big physical receiver and you know how to get open I, that's not a negative to me that's a positive so I like Bateman he's my wide receiver five and as I said if I'm if I have a need at receiver and Bateman fits my um, scheme and things like that, I would absolutely take them as early as like 24, 25. And, and I feel like that's pretty fine value as well. Okay. Uh, I'll tell you what, I think I like, well, no, I was, was going to say, I think I like Bateman more than Jalen Rieger, but I, I actually really liked Jalen Rieger last year. So that's not true. Anyways, moving on to my tier two, all by himself as wide receiver three for me is Jamar Chase. And um, yeah, I know some people are going to be a little bit surprised by that because they, think that Jamar Chase, like I've seen, I think it was on Daniel Jeremiah's top 50, Jamar Chase, I think is his second rated player. And for me, I, I really have a hard time when I watch his tape, seeing something that he does and saying, wow, that's elite. You know, I, I don't, I don't look at his tape and see elite. I look at his tape and I'll tell you what I see. Very good across the board. Like you, you name it, insert you know certain attribute here and I'll say he's very good at that like he's a very good route runner he's he's fast he's very fast he's not he's does not have elite speed he is very quick you know not 
elite quickness. It's everything he does is very good. Very, very good hands. You might be able to make the argument that he has elite hands, you know, but there's one thing I would combat that with, and that's the fact that he's not always as physical as I'd like to see at the catch point. He occasionally has some issues in terms of with guys getting physical with him at the line of scrimmage. I could see him having some trouble getting off press early as an NFL player. And, um, you know, so there's just a couple little tiny blemishes on an otherwise very, very well-rounded prospect. But I think that he has a relatively high floor. I think that his ceiling is what kind of holds him back for me in terms of why he's not on level with the other two guys, you know, just because he doesn't have those game-breaking type of traits that both Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle have. And that's why Devontae Smith is my wide receiver one. To me, it's no question about it. Jalen Waddle, my wide receiver two. And just so you know, here's the difference in tiers, right? So tier one, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, teammates from Alabama. And then tier two, Jamar Chase. The difference for me is Jamar Chase, in my opinion, is a top 12, the top 15 player. And for me, Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle are top five to seven players. So this wide receiver class for me, not as deep as last year's. Okay. So when you when you talk about just historically great classes, you'd have to give it that nod to last year's class. But my opinion is that the top three in this class are much stronger than last year's. And you could even go as far as to say the top four, but that's the top three, I think, are better than last year's top three. I think considerably better than last year's top three, no matter how you had the order, to be honest. And I think that, um, you know, like I said, top five to seven, I didn't have any receiver. I had, I don't think I had any receiver last year worthy of a top 10 pick. Maybe I had CD, like a CD Lamb was my number one. Maybe I had him at like 10 to 12, somewhere in that range. But for for my money, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle are guys that I would happily draft inside the top 10. And for me, I usually like some some more size. So I'm usually really a stickler about, you know, that physicality at the position, just having to be, you know, I want to see my guys 200 pounds, right? I, I really do. But in the case of Devontae Smith, in the case of Jalen Waddle, they're not 200 pounds. But what they are is elite at so many things, right? Like Devonta Smith can do things after the catch nobody in this class can do. He can also make catches in this um, at the high, like high pointing and just mossing dudes, as they say, what that nobody else can do. When you look at Jalen Waddle, he not only can do things after the catch that nobody else can do, but he can also separate like nobody else can in this class. He can also you know, really run by anybody. Talk about elite speed, elite elusiveness, right? Like that's Jalen Waddle for you. And when when you look at what he was doing before he was injured this year, Devontae Smith would not have won the Heisman because he would have had his own teammate being a real threat to that Heisman trophy, if not somebody else on another team, right? So like, um, and basically they would have kind of taken away production from each other. So likely n- neither one of them would have won the Heisman if uh, Waddle wasn't hurt. But um, but yeah, man, I think that they're both elite prospects with real game breaker type of type of speed and, and, and um, ability. They can they can change the game because they can score from anywhere on the football field. I think that Jalen Waddle is a little bit faster than Devonta Smith, but I think it's very, very close. Like it's very close. And then Smith has the size advantage, has that extra um, kind of extra part to his game 
in terms of like being able to moss guys and things like that. Just has that added element to his game that Jalen Waddle does not have. Jamar Chase, you could say he has that. Yeah, he can he can go up and get it. But like I said, he's not always as physical at the catch point as I'd like to see. He can have some trouble getting off press coverage. And he's just not quite where these other guys are. That's why I say, once again, Tier 1, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, top 5 to 7 players for me. Tier 2, Jamar Chase by himself, a top 12 to top 15 player. Now, if you were to draft him at 10th overall, I wouldn't call it a reach. You know, I'm just saying, like, in an ideal world, I view him as a top 12 to 15 player, you know. So I like him a lot. Again, that's why he's in Tier 2 all by himself. But I do not think he's – I just think there's a clear separation between him and the top two guys – who ironically were teammates at Alabama, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. So once again, my top 10, and I'll tell I'll tell you what the tiers again. Tier one, um, Smith and Waddle. Okay, top five to seven players. Tier two by himself, Jamar Chase. Tier three with two players here is uh Kadarius Tony Rashad Bateman. Tier four by himself is Diami Brown, North Carolina. Tier five is Tylon Wallace, Oklahoma State, and Terrace Marshall, LSU. And then tier six would be Tutu Atwell and Elijah Moore at nine and ten. That's how I see it. Let me know what you guys think, agree or disagree. If you want to leave me a review, that'd be awesome. That would really help the podcast. If you want to share it with somebody that, that's into uh, college sports or NFL sports, that would be awesome as well. But I'll see you guys later. Peace.